Welcome to Soberholic, a podcast about Christian recovery, where each week we explore topics that can free you from bondage and strengthen your relationship with God, others, and yourself. Now, your show hosts, Roger and Jason. Welcome to Soberholic Podcast. I'm your host, Roger. I'm in studio with our co-host, Jason. Jason, how you doing? Yo. Yo, that's all I get, huh? Yeah. Yeah, well, it look, snowed this morning. Well, you can't call that a snow. It flurried. Yeah, and, uh, you, it's pretty. I was pretty well, excited. You, maybe for you because you was running in it. I was like drinking coffee in it, so it was pretty good where I was at. Yeah, you were just watching from the window. Yeah. Well, look, man, I, I don't want to um, wait too long here because I want to dive right into this. Um, we're going to be doing a phone interview today with a guy, and um, it's a personal friend of mine. And, and I say that a lot, but I really do mean this. Um, he and I, we worked as state reps for Celebrate Recovery for a while. That's how I got to know him. But um, it's went outside of that both. He and I both are not um, state reps anymore, but we still keep in contact. And I wanted to get him to share his story of recovery with us and our listeners because it's kind of different than the traditional framework of what like you and I did. Right. And um, to show that there are ways that you can stay sober because, and, and I know we'll talk about this more, but um, oftentimes when I when I quit seeing people go, go into a meeting, I would say, well, they're, they're well, using they're gonna, it again. Yeah, they're going to relapse. Yeah, and, and so that that hasn't been his story. And I wanted him to share some of that with us. But um, on the phone, we have Mickey Hardwick. How you doing, Mickey? Good, Roger. Jason, how y'all today? Great. We're hanging in there pretty good. Um, so you kind of know what we're talking about, right? We we kind of yeah. ran across a little bit on the, on the front end. Um, I was joking with Jason about you that you literally talk more than we talk, and you agreed, right? I agree 100%, and I, I'm proud to wear that badge. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. He's actually an auctioneer. That, oh, he does the, the speed talking? Yeah. Like the speed... I can't do yeah, it. Even when I even when I regular talk, I'm speed talking. I have to slow down and realize that people say, "Huh, what'd you just say?" So I have to slow down sometimes. <laughs> to talk. And, and like you're deaf out of one ear, right? That's correct. Because there, there's times like we'll be walking, and I'll be talking and talking and talking, and he don't know that I'm talking, and I'm like, I look over at him, and he, he ain't got a clue that I've said anything. <laughs> and he's like, talking my good ear. <laughs> nice. So, anyways, that's not what we brought you out here for. Um, what I what I wanted you to share with our listeners is you, just your story of recovery. You know, any story really talks about like what it was like, what happened, and what it's like now. And I certainly don't want to dominate any of this. I want you to share your story, and so um, feel free to elaborate. Uh, but kind of, what what? How does your story start? How does it begin? Well, I, I would say I probably start off like a lot of many of your listeners and y'all. Uh, I quit several times just by myself for six months, six days, a year. Longest was about two years, and then uh, it finally it all came to a head. Finally, toward the end, and. And my wife gave me a couple of choices, and I took choice B, which was not the good choice to start with. I said I would just leave and, and, and not quit. And so I decided on the way up to rehab when I decided I probably ought to go that I could just quit until my kids got out of school and no child support. And I just go back to drinking like I wanted to, and sounded pretty good in my eyes and pretty good, you know, to an addict. So, uh, but as the years progressed, there that first year or two, I wasn't drinking anything. I started kind of realizing that, you know. Hey, maybe you did have a problem. You know, I started going to some AA meetings and some NA meetings, and I'll just be honest with you, they just wasn't for me. It was kind of like, 
you know, I think now I look back now, I'm still in some kind of denial because I said I really just wasn't like, wasn't like them. Um, but I just couldn't get a whole lot out of the meetings. I just didn't enjoy them. They depressed me a little more. So I felt like it was just a little bit easier for me just to kind of stay away from old friends and old habits. And, and, and that worked for, for a good 10 years. For a really good 10 years, I was very fortunate to, uh, to stay off alcohol. Uh, and then I got introduced. Our pastor was wanting to start a Celebrate Recovery. And he reached out, and I did a little bit of research. And I said, you know, that's pretty good. That'd be pretty good to help people to have a drinking and drug problem. I've, uh, I've been pretty good and, and stayed sober. Well, I went up to... Well, before you jump into that, that 10 years or so you were sober, I mean, how did you do it? Was it just going to church? Was it white-knuckling it, as some people say? Well, or? you know, I look back now. We went to church. You know, I had church masks. I mean, we were going to church and saying all the right things, but really wasn't living the right things. And uh, all I can really say is, uh, is, is I was looking out for me. I see that now. I mean, there's just no other way. There's just no other way. You know, I stopped buying gas after 2 o'clock. I didn't mean, go to restaurants that served alcohol. I did some lifestyle changes, uh, but nothing just really – I didn't really work a program. I just didn't work a program. And, you know, you hear of a few people that do that. I was very fortunate and lucky to be one of those few people. So that obsession, it just kind of was removed? You didn't really think about – I mean, I know you put safeguards in, you said, but there wasn't really an obsession to drink anymore? Mm-mm. I, it just kind of you – know, after a couple of years went by, the cravings kind of went away. How 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 active in church were you during that time? Oh well, I was teaching Sunday school. Uh, you know, we were going to church, uh, just being as active as we could. You know, every Sunday being there, uh, doing you know Sunday school parties with Sunday school people, just kind of really surrounding myself with with people that, that have a different lifestyle. And I guess if I had to look back, that was the only thing that probably that saved me was the change in the lifestyle of the people I hung out with. And then I'm I'm assuming you you were active in reading the Bible and praying and not really I mean no. some I mean not 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 much then I sure wasn't you know and uh, so you teach in Sunday school and not reading your Bible I love it <laughs> I can yeah, so well, relate with know, that <laughs> hey, hey look you know I, you know got to tell the truth you know oh, yeah. you can't no need a line it just is what it is and mm-hmm. uh, you know I, I look back and. Uh, you know, a lot of people wouldn't even go to my Sunday school class because they knew the old me. <laughs> and they didn't think that, that Nikki had quit drinking, really. So, because I'd done it so many times before and relapsed, mm-hmm. uh, they were like, man, we don't know about this guy teaching Sunday school. I don't know if he's the best guy in the world. Well, so, would you even consider, I say even, would you consider yourself a Christian at that point in your life? Yes, I I felt like my, I've been a Christian since I was 13. Now, I really accepted Christ in my heart, and I, I remember that day so well. Uh, and I've always been a good believer. Now, was I a, a, an active practicing Christian? I would say no, uh, right. just because of the simple reason. You know, I was living in sin. It was a different type of sin, but I was still living in some sins and not changing some habits. So kind of like that conviction just didn't really bother you too, too much during that season of your life. Correct. I mean, I just, and later on, as we as we go a little further, I, I learned that the, I gave up alcohol, but I picked up some other addictions just to fill that void. Now, just out of curiosity, uh, just because we've talked enough um, throughout the years, was this 10 years that you was able to stay sober, was that the year that you were driving the beer truck around? No, that was afterwards, thank goodness. Uh, you know, I still have dreams and nightmares. I go back to work for the beer company, and I'm trying not to drink. Yeah. I have those dreams still. <laughs> yeah, he, he I mean, drove. 
He drove one yeah. of the big trucks for a, a big beer company. Yeah, I, I sure did. So I always wondered, did you steal beer off of there? You know, did you take that stuff? And so we've had a lot of conversations <laughs> over the years about well, those we things. Well, didn't, we didn't really steal it. Now we drank it and took the empty cans back. So I don't consider that stealing. We just swapped them out so they were broken. Chips. <laughs> <laughs> we got in the store. So we took the can back. It just didn't have anything in it. <laughs> yeah, that's good. All right, so now you said that your pastor had invited you to uh, begin a a Christian twelve step group. Is that what you were saying before yeah, I stopped he had, you? He had, he had he had mentioned out uh, that come to find out uh, our old pastor uh, had started a celebrate recovery in, in Enterprise Alabama and uh, him in active addiction himself. Uh, he had went through the program and he just thought it'd be a good idea, so he sold it out there if anybody was interested in, in looking into it and. Uh, I thought, well, you know, that'd be a pretty good idea. I think I've been pretty, pretty successful at, at not drinking. Um, you know, I've done everything I'm supposed to do. I've checked off all the boxes. Maybe I could give somebody some advice on how to, to stay sober. And uh, so I had to change job before it could really happen. Uh, but I committed to going up to, to one of the summits and, and hearing everything. And, and I just kind of had, uh, had prayed a little bit about it. And I had, had some job changes to happen. And they did. Uh, you actually heard there. about that job change on the way to the summit. On the way to the summit, I sure did. Uh, you know, it's kind of like I look back now, and God opened up a lot of doors for me, and um, I found out on the way up to the summit. And then uh, I told God, I, I told Him right there in prayer that that I'd always, uh, you know, work with recovery and, and, and be the best Christian I could be because He'd opened the doors for me. And those who don't know who are listening that um, the summit that we're talking about is like it's a national conference for Celebrate Recovery that teaches like new groups that are wanting to start a CR group how to do that. And so you made it to the summit and then I I didn't mean to cut you off. I just wanted to kind of let people know what was going on there. Yeah, well, you know, the next day we went and I guess within the first 10 minutes, I probably cried about as much as I cried in a year that that morning because I realized that, man, I had a lot of other junk in my life. It was not just drugs and alcohol. And that, you know, and when they really say it hurts habits and hang ups, I had picked up so many other habits and I hurt so many other people along the way, even staying sober. And I realized that, you know, recovery is not just drugs and alcohol. Uh, that it's all about my relationship with God and my heart was not right. I thought it was right, but it wasn't right. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I just even- realized at that point. Even teaching those Sunday school classes, doing all the right things, and we can still have, you know, the wrong motives, maybe. That's correct. You know, like I said a while earlier, I said a lot of people may not realize we're talking about the church mask. You know, many different masks we wear in society to try to fit into the right crowd we're at, and they don't really know the real you underneath that mask. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, it's just a whole different lifestyle that oh. I had to learn that uh, – I had done in that 10 years, you know, I'd stayed sober. But when I first time I'd ever really worked the 12 steps was with Lawrence, my sponsor on, on CR. And I realized when we worked in the 12 steps, I had a ton of resentment still in my heart. I mean, a ton of resentment uh, towards some of my family members. Uh, and I'd made some, uh, I told y'all I'd stayed sober for 10 years. I feel that void. Yeah, you know, I made some unhealthy relationship choices in my marriage along that way. And I look back now and I realize that all I was doing was swapping the void for alcohol for, you know, an sexual addiction or, or a gossip addiction or just whatever it might be. And I, I think we don't realize that that just consumes us just like alcohol. 
Yeah, I can relate with that because, you know, for me, it was like swapping drinking for drugs and drugs for something else. I mean, it's always been just swapping one thing for another. Even in recovery now, I still say I struggle with addictive behaviors. So that's kind of um, came back and, you know, started helping a lot of people. And, and my wife got a little involved in CRs. You know, a lot of people in recovery uh, have that spouse that's like mine. Uh, just quit. Quit today. Don't ask no questions. And why can't you quit? <laughs> yeah. And uh, that's just the way she was. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I started going back to church. We dropped off a little church. And, I to, and she allows me to share this. I started going back to church about six months. And I was by myself. Just me. She didn't get them go. She was too tired. But I realized that we had the auction and we was out late. And I realized riding down the road one day that when I stand before God, she's not going to be beside me. And I can't say I was just too tired because my wife was tired. Mm, that's good. Wow. So, you know, I'm not standing on my own two feet. Mm. And, uh, and so I think through my example, and she'll tell you, through my example, uh, just one morning she woke up and she said, I'm going with you. And, and she started going and then she started attending celebrate recovery with us in the meetings and she started working and then she realized that she had a lot of resentment still towards me. Right. And it was about three years into our working our recovery uh, that it just hit me one day and I asked her and she agreed all those years. I just assumed she had forgiven me and she never had. So about 14 years had gone by and she really never forgiven me. I just assumed she had. Right. Well, things had gotten better for you, so you expected everybody else had gotten as good as you got, right? That's correct. Hey, everybody's doing good. Mickey's in their own little happy world. Things are going good. <laughs> Mickey's happy. Know. Everybody's happy. That's right. And, you know, I, I you know, I didn't realize the things that I'd done. There was still some deep hurt. And that's one of the things that I've learned. And when I try to help people, they'll ask me how you do it. How do I get people to forgive them? And I say, well, you can't get them to forgive you ever. But if you just got to be willing to make the amends. If you're willing, I promise God will make the time. He'll open that door for you to forgive somebody. Right. Gotta be willing. Yeah, true. Well, so then you you say you've worked through your steps. You found a lot of unforgiveness in your life, and you was willing to forgive those people. Um, what else has happened while, while you were serving there at that Celebrate Recovery? Well, you know, I learned that uh, everybody it was a shocker that everybody does not uh, forgive you of the men you give. Which is, you know that was that was a tough one. That was, that was a tough one. I was like, okay, you know, I thought I was ready and everybody was going to get it, and that didn't happen. So, uh, you know, that was probably the toughest part, realizing that uh, everybody didn't forgive. Uh, God has placed uh, several family members back in my life that I had seen in thirty or forty years. Um, I was able to make several amends with people from fifteen to twenty years ago that that didn't put it together who I was. But I put together who they were, and I was riding down the road, and I realized this is an individual that I just really didn't have a good conversation with, a lot of un- unhealthy words in that conversation. And uh, when she came back in that day, I told her, and she said, you know, I never put it together. You never had to say anything. I said, no, but I did. And, and it was for me. It wasn't for her to know who I was. It was for me. It was the peace in my heart because every time I looked at her, I was afraid she's going to say he's not. He's, if she realized it, he's not sincere. I think that's important about the amends part is people, it takes a lot of courage to go up and tell somebody, hey, I was dead wrong, or I accept my part in that in that process. Yeah, and not and not call out their part to them. Hey, I did this because you did this. You know, that was a tough well, part know, for me. I, I had, uh, and I've shared this with Roger, it's in my testimony. You know, uh, I had not talked to my mother now in 15 years. 
And I reached out, tried to make amends with her, and uh, she didn't accept it. And I still hadn't talked to her. I tell everybody, you know, uh, it still hurts. It's still tough at times, but um, it's just part of the men process. You know, I have to, I have to move on and, and accept that. And um, that's why I said everybody's not going to accept your amends. Right. But they're uncomfortable. You know, they're still in the active drinking lifestyle. And, and I lost a lot of friends because they were just uncomfortable being around me. People today are still uncomfortable. Right, but I, has your friends has your friend group changed since you've been you know oh, working with her? It's drastically changed. I would tell you, fifteen twenty years ago, I never thought I would be in the in the in the circle of friends that I have now, which are you know very uh, good Christian Christian people in in our community, uh, leaders in our community, and you know they look up to us. You know, the, uh, in this recovery process, and we're good friends with lots of the judges and the parole officers, and they reach out and. They just the respect that they give. Sometimes I, I start crying because I'm a little humble. I don't know why God chose me. Right. That I didn't deserve what I'm able to, to give back. Because yeah, you, you're a part of some other organizations, or I know you were outside of just CR and the church. Um, are you still part of like was it the Lions Club that you was a part yeah, of? Yeah, I'm I'm, 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 I'm this June I'll be the president of our Lions Club here in town, um, and we raise. And give away about thirty five, forty thousand dollars a year back to our community. Uh, you know, and the Methodist men, of course, I help it, and then um, serve on several different committees for different things. And it's just, it's been a different lifestyle. And you know, and there we we go to function, and there is alcohol. Uh, and I'm at that point in my life where, you know, I have people. I want everybody to know mm-hmm. who I am. And the reason why is the more I think, know, the more is watching me. God's always been watching me. You know, I mm-hmm. fooled myself thinking I was fooling God. But the people watching you help hold me accountable. It's, I think you could probably understand that, Roger and Jason. It's just like, you know, I want people to hold me accountable. That's what keeps me sober every day. Right. And so after you – um, okay, well, look, look, I know that you served as, as the ministry leader at your Celebrate Recovery. Um, I, I know that with any ministry leader position, there there's difficulties and, and there's – there's good times and there's bad times, right? I mean, that's just with any job as well. Um, but um, regardless of all of that, uh, eventually you came to a point where it was it was time for you to move out of your position as being the leader there at your Celebrate Recovery. Yeah, I think it's sometime I don't want to use the word burnout, but you get to the point where, uh, you know, all of a sudden for me, and uh, I realized that uh, working at ministry had become a new addiction. I know it almost sounds like a, a, a an odd statement, but I'd come so consumed with doing it that my wife was no longer, I was no longer being a, a good husband like I was in the beginning. Not that I was a bad husband, but, you know, she is uh, very jealous of my time. Well, let, again, let's talk I, about that for a second. Um, so... It, what what did that look like? Because at that point, I don't I don't believe that she was still going to groups with you, right? I mean, as far yeah, as she, she wasn't going back. to CR, we had some she had had some setbacks. It's just like in the, she had. You're right. She had quit going. Uh, she'd gotten a little burnout a little bit, and as anything, there's always some adversity in groups and leaders. And uh, she had just stepped back uh, um, because you know she just got a little burnout trying to to help people that you know uh, help others. I should say mentor others and. You know, everybody doesn't want what we're mentoring, and, mm-hmm. uh, and that's hard for people to take. And she had a real hard time with that. 
And so even with that, you were, uh, I, and I'm not trying to give your story, so completely correct me if I'm wrong, but I know you were you were very involved in CR, and sometimes that even included step studies, which were two nights a week. Then I know you were very involved still in your church for like Wednesdays and Sundays, and then you worked your regular job, and then you had your auction business on the side. So there was a lot of mm. things Mickey was doing, right? Yeah, I had to, uh, the, our pastor told me, the new pastor, he said, I need to step back and say no. My mm. problem was I couldn't say no. Right. You know, and that's almost an addiction, saying yeah, yeah, yeah. I had to realize that, that every, Mickey doesn't have to do everything. Other people can do it and share that responsibility. Yeah, I was on our trust board of trustees, and we met. I do the youth, the, the music, and the video. <laughs> Man. Every night of the week, I was gone. I was gone every night of the week. So your wife wanted you home, you know, I, I, let well, me I share got, a little bit of time with you. Yeah. I, I got to where I was like, man, I, didn't, I got to where I didn't want to go all the time. Mm-hmm. And really I was starting to cheat others because I wasn't as dedicated I was in the beginning. And it's because I had just taken on so much responsibility because I was so excited and I'm still excited about what can change in people's lives. You know, we want them to do it so bad. And I know y'all understand that. And we still realize we can fix others. But, man, we sure try our best still. Right. And so it came a point where you said, well, um, CR is the thing that I got to take off my plate. Uh, something's got to give. And that's it sounds like that's what you was willing to give up, right? That's that's what I gave up. Uh, I just resigned. Uh, at that ticket time, I resigned off the trustees. I resigned off CR. And I totally stayed uh, with the youth on Wednesday nights because uh, – Part of my early on in my life, you know, my parents were divorced and a lot of what those kids are going through. That's where my other passion is to help those kids and to go through what they're going through the hurts. So let's talk and I about still do that today. Oh, that's good. Awesome. So let's talk about what recovery in, in Mickey's world looks like now. Uh, seeing how you stepped out of celebrate recovery, you're not doing that. You said that the the traditional, uh, you know, AA NA that you kind of fell out of place there. What does recovery look like for you today? I'm still have my accountability team uh, that I put together early, early on that I talk to three to four times a week, which I think is very important because. Um, even you being one of them, we don't get to talk during hunting season as much, but you know, you, 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 you even picked up on some things in my life that I had to work on and, and you, you hear words and you tweak words. So, uh, having those people, uh, I still alternate teaching Sunday school every two months. I still active in the church. I still go to celebrate recovery once a month at least. I shared my testimony there a couple of weeks ago. Uh, you know, being in a school system with 8,000 students and 1,000 staff. Uh, I reach out and, and I talk with our counselors and, and else kids and teachers will ask me about because they all know my story and I feel like I'm reaching others through a back channel. All right. So but, you're still uh, sharing hope and just not inside a traditional meeting then. That's correct. I mean, every day somebody asks me, Mickey, I have a friend, a relative, a family member, a husband or a spouse. And the first thing I tell them is, remember, you can't fix them. Right. So let me ask you this. Do you, um, now that you've quit going to meetings, you, you, um, you've kind of built this accountability team and you're, you're working maybe still the steps, but in your own way, would you could still consider yourself an alcoholic? Without a doubt. Right. I am, uh, one drink away from being back like I used to be. Yeah. You know, I would, uh, uh, I'm not an active alcoholic. Uh, that addiction is always going to be there. Right. And, uh, 
I don't want to go back. You know, I, you got to find, I tell people, um, you know, originally I stopped because I wanted to see my kids. Well, they got older, and guess what came next? Some grandkids. Yeah. Guess what? I want to see those grandkids. So I tell people, you got to find something in life that, that you want to live for, your hope. What's your hope? And when you find that and you grasp onto that, that's what helped pull me through. That's good. Yeah, I know that um, sometimes people – We've talked on the show before, but people complain, well, I'm not an, I'm not an alcoholic, especially in the Christian community. That's not who I am no more. And I completely agree that, you know, I'm, I'm not an alcoholic, but, um, in the sense that that's not what I'm defined by. But I do agree with you a hundred percent that even though it's been a while since I've drank, if I pick one up and drink again, that won't be my only one. I can assure you that. Mm hmm. You know, and I'm not willing for the, it's like anything in life. If you teach your children the stove's hot, you don't touch it. There's consequences. You burn your hand. Uh, and I look at uh, addiction the same way. Am I willing for the consequences that comes with that choice? Right. And I think I'm mature enough in my recovery that I know that there's consequences if I do A. So I choose not to do A because I don't want B to come next. Yeah, it's not worth it. I mean, so, sometimes I think to myself, maybe I could drink just one beer. And, and, Truth is, I might could, but is it worth chancing it? No, yeah, it's correct. not. <laughs> yeah, yeah um, that that's um, a trap. Well, just laid out for oh, me yeah. to, to just fall apart with, and, yeah. and I don't know, and I'll never know unless I try. But I, enough times in the past has shown me it didn't right. work in the past. Oh yeah, you know? it hasn't. So. It didn't work too good in early on. So I'm, the statistics <laughs> aren't in my favor for me anyway. <laughs> if you just took my track record, uh, I hear you. So how long you been sober now? Uh, 17 years, wow. October the 14th, 2002. That's awesome. So, well, it, uh, so here we come to the final four questions. And now I, I, I prepped you with these yesterday. Usually I get yeah, these out beforehand, but, um, I, honestly, I just asked if you'd come on the show last night. And so just a few hours later, here we are doing this. Uh, but these four questions are questions we ask every guest that come on the show and it's where people can kind of get to know a little bit more about you, um, maybe give some good examples of things you've done in your past. And so there's no right or wrong answers here. But um, the first question that we ask is, can you name a book? And we always say other than the Bible, because a lot of times we have Christians on here and everybody wants to point to the the Bible. And we agree with that. But can you name a book other than the Bible, um, a movie or a podcast that has changed the way that you look at an area of your life? Life Eating Choices. And who John is that Baker. by? John Baker. John Baker. So that is part of the Celebrate, Celebrate Recovery curriculum. Yeah, but you know, when, when I read the book, I didn't take it as, it, as a, from the CR standpoint. It was the hurts, habits, and hang-ups. You know, there again, that was the, the big thing for me when I went to the summit and realized that everybody has a hurt, habit, or hang-up. You know, just because I'm labeled or I am an alcoholic or somebody's a drug addict, guess what? They can be a gossip addict, you know, mm-hmm. so they, and they, and they've hurt people. You know, the old saying, sticks the stones to break your bones, the words will never hurt you. It's probably the biggest lie. You've heard Rick Warren say that. Words hurt. Right. And they're deep. You're so right. That's why I enjoyed that book so much. Yeah, he says a lot of times that hurt people hurt people. And I don't know if that came from Correct. Rick Warren or John Baker, but um, I, I've, I've grasped a, a hold of that. It makes a lot of sense. But I'll tell you, if I was a betting man, I would have never thought you would have picked a book. I would have figured you'd have picked a movie or a podcast because you're not a big reader. 
No, I'm not. But I did read that book, and that's why I like it. I was like, you know, I don't read many books. I'm just not much of a reader. And uh, I don't know if you consider Law and Order and Chicago PD probably a good movie <laughs> for, for that week. That's what I watch all the time. So. I didn't think that would be a good movie to choose. <laughs> uh, number two is, if you had a blank billboard to share advice with the world, what phrase would you put on it? Better together. Better together. Mm, Never heard I that. I like that one. And, 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 I, and, I, and I put this in a paraphrase because I saw it. I can't take credit for it. But I saw a, uh, a poster, and it had a fire, and it had three firemen holding a hose. And they're putting the fire out, and underneath it, it said adversity. And as I look at that, I take addiction is an adversity, and there's not just one firefighter fighting that fire. There's three firefighters holding that hose. So in my recovery, I can't do it alone. I've got to be better together. That's good. Uh-huh. That was one I already knew. I didn't even have to think about that one. You told me last night. I knew exactly what that was. Mm. But I've been using that for about a year now, and I've tried to catch on with that. So. Yeah, because usually that one takes a little more thought. It's a little deeper than the other questions we ask. Yeah, that was an easy one. I was glad you asked that one. So number three says, when talking about the 12 steps, because you and I are both familiar with those, what is your favorite step? Well, I got two favorites, and I'll tell this is what I tell those the listeners. My, my first favorite step is the one when I first got into recovery, and it was step five, because I'd always admitted to God, but admitting to God, to ourselves, and another human is that nature of our wrong. The power of admitting that to somebody else was like taking a big brick off my shoulder. I don't have to admit it to them, but it, to me, it was very powerful. It was just like, ah, I got some extra oxygen in my early recovery. And then now, every day, step 10 probably is the most important for me. And as I continue to take a personal inventory and uh, admit it when I'm wrong promptly, because I have to take a daily inventory, like a daily recommitment to God. Right. And I guess that is like, I mean, it's, it's always important in recovery, but when you're, you're not going to meetings as much as you traditionally was in the, you know, um, right. just a few years back, it's very important that you're still using the tools that you've picked up. And they've, they've proven they work. Right. So, you know, it, uh, like I said, I had two favorites. It depends on where, whoever's listening, where they're at in their recovery, you know, five and 10, Cool. They're all 12 are good and important, but those two are mine. Right. All right. Well, and then our final question, um, and we asked this, it could be any way of doing this, um, whether it be an email or Facebook or whatever, but um, how can people reach you? I'm an email and a Facebook person, and it is very simple. It's Mickey, M-I-C-K-E-Y dot Hardwick, H-A-R-D-W-I-C-K at gmail.com. And if you just do Google and do Mickey Hardwick, I guarantee I'll be the first 10. I told you I was a sociable guy. <laughs> yeah, you are that. <laughs> you Google your own self. You know, you know when you can Google your own name and you're not afraid to hit sin. You're hurt. You're okay with it. You know your picture's not going to come up on the most wanted list. Yeah. Uh, that's good. Well, Mickey, we've enjoyed having you on the show, man. Yeah. Um, it was a pleasure to talk to you, to hear what God is doing in your life. And, um, and just to be willing and vulnerable enough to share those things with us. Well, I appreciate the time and effort of what y'all do. It, it, it takes a lot of time to do what y'all do. I know y'all enjoy what you do, uh, or you wouldn't be doing it. And uh, it's just that's just part of it, and, we, and I appreciate everything y'all do. Well, cool deal, man. Well, Jason, that brings us to the end of another show. Yep. Thanks, Miggy. 
All right, I appreciate it, guys. Y'all have a wonderful time. All right, buddy. I'm Roger. I'm Jason. We're All signing right. out. Thanks for listening to Soberholic with Roger and Jason. If you like the show and want to know more, check out SoberholicPodcast.com. Please remember to leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Soberholics. Soberholics.